Hello everyone, welcome to Timeless Voyager, where the knowledge is timeless and you are the Voyager. I'm your host, Bruce Stephen Holmes. So fasten your cosmic seatbelts because today's ride may be a bumpy one. Returning guest, Gail Pond, synthetic vibratory physics, is in the Timeless Voyager studio today. Now the topic, the spiritual science of Walter Russell. Now if you don't know the name, by the end of today's program, you will. Dale Pond discusses how for nearly 40 years, he has investigated the natural and spiritual science of Walter Russell and many others. This has resulted in a comprehensive and cohesive paradigm spanning the mind and spirit realm to the material, and these to orthodox science. Dale has extensive knowledge and experience in many fields, including science, metaphysics, and business. Now, he uses his knowledge to rediscover and redevelop the spiritual science he calls sympathetic vibratory physics, wherein we can now know how the mind works in and through matter to create our life experiences as well as engineer world-changing technologies. Very important. Do you have to possess a graduate degree in physics to understand today's program? Not at all. Dale always speaks in easily understandable language so that even I can understand his well-documented topics. So, without any further ado, today's guest, Dale Pond. Welcome to the show, Dale. Well, hi, Bruce. How are you? Good. All right. So, we have an extensive show to do today, so I guess we better get on with it. Yes, Walter Russell. He was quite famous in his time. He was a polymath. A polymath is a person who is proficient or expert in many different fields. And his encompassed uh, uh, architecture, painting, sculptures, uh, science. He introduced uh, figure skating to, uh, to America. He did portraits for many famous for children of many famous people. And um, he had an, an, uh, what was a 29-day period of enlightenment where he just became, his mind became like the Christ mind, one with the universal or God mind. And he got all this knowledge and information, and he spent the rest of his life writing books and delivering uh, presentations and papers and whatnot, detailing what he learned in that 29 days of enlightenment. So he wrote wrote a number of books. And in reading those over a period of time, as you learn his jargon and his rhythm and his points of view of what he was writing about, uh, you begin to get this cosmic view of the universe, not the materialistic Newtonian mechanical view that we all have, but a much higher perspective. And 
he talked a lot about God. You know, he said a lot about God, not an anthropomorphic God, but the God as the universal mind that permeates the entire universe and everything that's in our universe, every atom. And he said that that's the source, that's the beginning of everything that is. And then he starts talking about in his books how that is so, how that can happen. And from my own experience in reading his materials, which are difficult to understand, they're easy to read. I mean, he wrote really well. But ordinary people such as myself or anybody else, we don't really grasp what he's telling us because we don't use vocabulary like he used it. So you have to go through it very carefully and discern what he means when he uses any particular word. For instance, he wrote an entire book on light. Um, and you read it, and you're, we're thinking photonic light, right? Like you turn the lights on in your room and everything. That's not what he means, because elsewhere, and even in that book, he says, when he used the word light, he means the light of God's mind. Well, what would that be? <laughs> be God's thoughts, God's thinking. So he's presenting us a, a new perspective on physics and science that, uh, because I've studied John Keeley for so many years, guess what? Same thing. Only Keeley didn't call it light. He called it a certain classification of of matter and energy, which was, uh, his term was interetheric. So they're saying the same things, exactly the same things, only they're using two different vo vocabularies. And uh, while Keeley came at it from a more or less scientific perspective, Russell came at it from philosophical, art, a real high consciousness level, which is what he had. And it takes years to train your own self to forget the crap that they put in our minds in high school and colleges and universities to accept, to begin to accept this new, broader cosmic viewpoint of how everything works. And um, <clears throat> once you start to have that, then it starts to make a lot more sense to you. I had a guy come to me, a real good friend of mine. He's passed away now. He studied Russell since he was 16 all the way up until his elderly years. And he says, man, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And, and, I, says, and um, I showed him a chapter from a physics books from the 1800s. I said, here, go read this. And he did, and he came back running in, all excited like a kid, and said, I get it, I get it, I see what it is. <laughs> and all it was was that little piece. And that little piece was about uh, sound and vibration. Russell mentioned sound and vibration quite often, but he didn't go into it in detail. And he did say in one of his books he would write a new book on what he called tone. Well, tone is sound and vibration. And so far as I know, he never got around to writing that book. And that 
that has crippled people's efforts to understand what he was saying. Because I had that background. I've been studying sound and vibration for decades. And I could just see what, in this instance, what uh, Russell was referring to. And uh, so my work now has been to, okay, we found out that they're all saying the same thing, using different vocabularies. Um, How can we write out a a short paper that would delineate these principles that they're each talking about in an orderly way that Joe Sixpack or whoever can pick it up and say, okay, I see where this is coming from and I see where it's going and I see some applicability to it. And it's been quite a challenge because Russell's and Keeley's uh, perspectives are cosmic. You know, they're biblical. They're, They're beyond what we're used to thinking. We've never seen it in the movies. We've never seen it in books. And we have to completely change our own thinking processes. Uh, Dale, let me interrupt you for one second. Uh, You've mentioned Keeley twice, and I don't know that anybody who's listening knows. Could you just give the people a little bit of an understanding of of, uh, John Keeley? Well, Keeley was a scientist in the late 1800s, and he... he, he, um, discovered all kinds of new science and physics, and it was this type that we're, we're talking about right now, which was cosmic. And um, to use a more conventional term, it was non-Newtonian. He was dealing in quantum physics before there was quantum physics. He predated everybody. And, of course, nobody around him had the slightest idea what he was talking about. There was no books or anything that that even mentioned that kind of topic. So nobody understood him. Anyway, he went on and he made hundreds and hundreds of machines that were actuated by this quantum physics or etheric physics, as he called it. And um, people were beating up on him all the time. And um, he preceded Russell, even though... uh, Keeley died in 1898. Russell was born in 1871. I don't know. I doubt that they ever met. So anyway, we've got two guys here, Keeley and Russell, who are working on the same non-Newtonian quantum physics before there were quantum physics. And uh, they were talking about, or Keeley was talking about splitting the atom in the 1880s and releasing that energy and putting it under various types of control. And then he got to working on um, another branch of that physics that he developed, which was tapping the zero point, as we call it today. He was able to release electricity from space or vacuum in 1893. Um, So there were two geniuses that, while they were recognized, they were... Uh, ignored and beaten up and vilified and everything else by the system who didn't understand what either one of them were talking about, so they were passing judgment without studying what the subject was, which is, you know, that's that's pretty stupid. That's grade school attitude, ego problems. And um, 
I didn't have that problem because I'm not part of the system. I haven't been educated in the system. <clears throat> I just want to know what's going on. What were these two guys doing? <clears throat> and by asking clearly for for clarification and for understanding and digging and digging and digging uh, to understand what they were saying, I've been able to piece quite a bit of this together. And I think we're rapidly approaching where we can start to have a practical applications from these branches of physics that they were working on. And um, Russell, you, let's get back to Russell a little bit. The guy was, was absolutely amazing. You know, he did most of his work from probably around 1920 onward. And he wrote this big book called The Universal One. Big fat book, lots of illustrations, and a beautiful book to look at, to read, to dream about. But there again, he was covering too much subject with not enough detail. He could have written that book with four volumes or ten volumes, and it would have been a lot better off. But he printed enough copies to send out to the major scientists and physicists in the world, universities. He sent copies to all these people for free. And um, it was kind of a sensation, but then they, they started to vilify it because he used the word ether in his writing in that book. And, of course, mainstream says ether doesn't exist without any real proof of it. They're just opinions. And, um, oh, by the way, when, when Keeley was working... That was the term everybody used, was ether. And then Michael Morley, Michelson and, and Morley came along and they did this experiment or a series of experiments, which they claimed disproved the ether, the ether theory. Well, it didn't disprove the ether theory. It just proved they couldn't measure it with their equipment because Keeley was measuring it. And not only measuring it, he was applying it to machinery and getting machinery to do things that were unheard of, even to this day. So Russell, being from that time period, he used the term ether. And he got beat up over it. In his subsequent books, he didn't use that term anymore. He used the term of energy unit to skate around that BS from the, from the establishment. And uh, he, he persisted with that energy unit or universal energy constant, also his phrase for this microscopic uh, form of energy that they were both working with. And so the problem wasn't a scientific problem. The problem was the attitudes, the people around them. You know, oh, you can't talk that here. I got a degree. I spent buku bucks getting this degree. And my professor told me to never use the term ether. And if you use that, you're going to fail the course. So nobody used that term just because they, they were made to be afraid. Well, Russell really wasn't afraid of anything because he was awake. Same thing with Keeley. He just went through with his work and didn't really give a damn what anybody thought. And uh, same thing with me. I've pursued this research, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. They haven't done the research. And um, so anyway, his subsequent books didn't use the term ether. And he went on to explain so many things. And uh, he met with, Russell met with Nikola Tesla once. Uh, 
or probably more than once, but Tessa told him or recommended that he bury his research and not make it public for a thousand years. And, um, well, that's interesting. What would Tesla think <laughs> we need to protect the world from? And um, Russell's wife, Lau, who was also quite an illuminated person, she said, no, the world needs us. You need to put this back out. So they together wrote this book called Atomic Suicide. And in that book, it is said, you know, they said that this book contains what Tesla said to Barry. So, okay, that's pretty good. So I went through the book word by word, line by line, trying to identify what exactly, what exact knowledge was Tesla referring to. And I got through the whole book, and I highlighted it in the SVP wiki. Uh, there's a page on this, exactly the subject, you know, what Tesla told him to bury. And the entire book is what was meant to be buried. Not just one or two paragraphs here or there somewhere in the book, but no, the entire book, because the entire book encompasses a great deal, a very large chunk of his scientific uh, understanding. So, you know, if we're to understand these people, we have to do that kind of work. We have to dig into what they said, change our vocabularies, change our, our mindsets in, in such a way that we don't go into it thinking we know everything. You go into it thinking you're ignorant, and he's the teacher. So, you, you know, you listen to your teacher. But if you go in there with the attitude that 99% of the people have, you're not going to get anything out of it because you already think you know it all. Well, guess what? You don't know anything, especially about what they said. So you kind of got to be humble and industrious, and then you got to pursue it and pursue it and pursue it. Um, but it's there, and we're, I'm seeing now, because I've been writing about it for so long, so many years, with so many people, thousands of people, that I'm beginning to see individuals less than I can count on my hand at this point who are actually starting to understand some of this. So it's growing in popularity. It's growing in that more and more people are understanding more pieces of it. And um, this is going to become, as they both said, what you're reading here, what you're studying here, will become the science of the future. You know, because it's applied quantum physics. It's even more than that. It's applied mind physics. Because they both talk about how mind is the ultimate power. And we can engineer a mind force. Which is what Keeley did. And, you know, Keeley could draw a symbol on the wall. <laughs> and the motor across the room would start. Well, you don't do that unless you understand how mind and mechanics works, which he said was his greatest discovery was the linkage between mind and mechanics. You know, what is that links them together? 
modern quantum physics so there's no link between quantum physics and, and Newtonian physics so they have they they don't they're denying that it exists instead of saying well maybe there is a link let's go look at it but no they say it doesn't exist so that shuts the whole thing down I mean how ignorant can you get and um Russell said the same thing. They both said the same thing. Uh, when Russell used the term light, he was talking about mind, the mind of God. And of course, modern physics says God doesn't exist, so they're not going to look there either. Boy, let's shoot ourselves both feet and shoot ourselves in the head, and and we already know it all. I mean, how can how, how, explain that to me? That's not science. That's stupidity. Science is saying, well, maybe there is something here. We'll look. But um, <laughs> so that's who these guys were. That's what I've been exploring. That's what I've been making available to the whole world. Anybody who wants to see it can read it in SVP Wiki. And no charge. I mean, it's free. Who doesn't want free? <laughs> Science doesn't want free. <clears throat> we work on money here, guys. Billions. We need billions. <laughs> I'm not going to beat them up because, you know, I'm just pointing it out. Um, we're talking here right now. I mean, you're in California. I'm in Colorado because of science. They built the computers. They wrote all the code. They strung the wires from here to there. Right around the signals getting back and forth now. And we can't beat them up too bad because they're providing us with everything we've got. And uh, But we want more because that old system is starting to creak and groan and fall apart and too many people got their fingers in it. And, and uh, you know, it's a search for freedom. And freedom from all the limitations and shortcomings and all the control mechanisms that are in place. We just want to be free. We want to find out a better science, um, better ways to heal people, better, better, everything better. And this science is absolutely going to turn the apple cart upside down, and we're going to come out with a brand-new, shiny, super-duper car on the other side of it. And uh, But people got to just go slow, be humble, read all the books, Talk to people who know something about this subject, you know, if you're really interested. If you're not interested, don't get into it because it's too complicated in that it contains a lot of information that needs to be correlated in your own mind. Uh, Russell's stuff, once you start understanding his vocabulary, it's as simple as pie. Same thing with Keeley. What they're describing is, is how the universe comes into being and perpetuates itself. And since we're part of the universe, that includes us, how we are and how we think and how we affect our environments, local environments and whatnot. It's all there, but you got to be willing to to sit and be taught by these guys. Let's, uh, let's be specific. Do you have some examples of some of the things that, uh, that Russell worked on or created? Or I don't know how to phrase the question, but you know where I'm going. Yeah, um, both of those guys worked on motors. And motors are a way of converting one form of energy into rotary motion, like in your car. 
Um, a lot of people don't really understand what motors are and why we got them or even talk about them, but your refrigerator has a motor, your air conditioner has a motor, your car's got a motor, everything's got a motor in one form or another. And they, they're either converting a chemical substance like gasoline into rotary motion, which powers your wheels so you can go down the road, or electricity, like in your refrigerator or air conditioner, so that the pump that pumps the fluid in those are pretty much the same organ, uh, mechanism. So it's got to have this rotation to push the fluids through the system. And in Keeley's time, they were just beginning to build and monopolize the power industry in the world, both uh, the petroleum industry and the electric industry. And so there was this global rush for inventors to come up with a system that they could power the world with. And the guys with the money, uh, Morgan and Edison and those people, uh, weren't concerned so much about a new way of moving things. They were concerned about, well, how do we make more money off of this? So they came up with the system that we have now. Both the petroleum systems, you know, gasoline, diesel, all that stuff, and um, the electrical grid. <clears throat> Keeley made a device that would pull electricity out of the vacuum of space. And later, um, I don't know the time period, uh, Russell came up with a motor that uh, was doing the same thing. It was pulling power out of the space vacuum type of situation. People call it zero point today. And both those efforts were severely um, ostracized. I was going to say, if we want to add Tesla to that, uh, wasn't that the whole problem with the tower and the fact that that he, uh, maybe you could tell the story better than me, but my understanding was that uh, he said to, to, to uh, his benefactor, I believe that was J.P. Morgan, um, look, I can power this car that I made that's electrical and drive around and the, and the power is coming directly from this tower. And my understanding was that the question was, well, great, I love it. How do we uh, make money from it? And he said, well, you can't make money from it because I guess it was running uh, on a, uh, or using um, radio waves as a carrier. And so <laughs> J.P. Morgan said, well, if I can't make money on it, I'm shutting it down. Yeah. So now well, we have a Cars that have batteries in it, and the batteries, of course, are heavy and they're you know silly. But but you're saying that three people that we know of showed how you could get the energy right from the universe. Yeah, actually, there was many people who over the years have developed similar type tech, and they were all suppressed, and you know, had their lives destroyed or got murdered or disappeared or whatever and um that guy Stephen greer in a couple of his videos sums that whole thing up quite well and um it's been a problem you know these guys let's say the the bad guys let's call them bad guys they monopolize the electric industry every single aspect of it 
They don't want somebody come showing up with a little black box and power your car. Because that would destroy trillions of dollars of investments that they made into this grid system. And it's proving now that their grid system is not sufficient. I mean, we get brownouts and blackouts all over the country, all over the world. And the chemical industry, which Rockefeller put together, is uh, trying to make these chemical batteries, and and that technology is... uh, But the tech is out there, and it's not a science. It's not really a science engineering problem because so many people have done it. It's doable. It's... it's, uh, so many people like this video have made videos. There's tons of them on YouTube and Rumble and elsewhere about what they were doing. <laughs> and to use it properly, we need to have a proper consciousness. Not a touchy-feely, feel-good type consciousness, but respect and, and um your feet on the ground, and you know, if you do this, you're gonna you're gonna have such such a consequence. You know, people who can who can think through these things and be responsible. And right now, the bad guys who are controlling everything are not responsible. They're entirely insane. If you examine, if you go and do a study on narcissism, <laughs> which I did here a month or two ago, unbelievable what you're gonna learn in that subject. And when you start looking at it, it says. Well, if that's what a narcissist is, then that's what our government is. It's narcissistic. It's institutionalized narcissism, which when I was doing my study, I was horrified at what I was reading, what I was finding out. So it's a a problem of consciousness. And uh, those type of people have no empathy, no respect. They only seek personal aggrandizement. You know, I'm the biggest, best, baddest. And, of course, that ain't going to work in society. It only works in a jungle. So part of each of their philosophies focuses, you know, on this mind thing. Well, consciousness. you got a good conscience, you got a bad conscience. So you start learning about mind and psychology and psych- psychology and narcissism and how people think and how they behave and how they act. It all becomes part of it. So SVP cannot be fully developed and applied until we all have a better understanding of our minds and our consciousness and those of our neighbors. Um, for instance, I had a, I had a friend who was a lieutenant colonel in the Army. He was in Biological and Chemical Warfare Division. He was in Europe during World War II. And he told me one day out of the blue, he said, you know, the only the Germans were beating our butts. We, they had better tanks, better guns, better planes, better soldiers. He said, we were getting beat. And he says, the only reason we won the war is because we cut their fuel off. You know, we were down in North Africa, we were cutting their fuel off. And um, you think about that and you say, well, what's this free energy? Well, it's going to cut out the need for their fuel. Therefore, free energy, the implementation of so-called free energy, is a military issue. It's a strategic issue. No military in the world is going to let another country develop and apply free energy because we can't cut the fuel off. 
And that's one of the main reasons that uh, we don't see it today, because man's animalistic attitude, you know, we got to build all these guns and everything to protect ourselves. And another bunch of people say, we need to build guns so we can go get their stuff. You know, we steal their stuff. <laughs> so we got two factions in the world that, that uh, live in fear. They're psychotic. They're neurotic. They're paranoid. And they're the ones who are sitting on us. And then they go in our schools and they teach all our children how to be the same way as they are, narcissistic. Look at, look at these uh, uh, woke people. They're nothing but spoiled children as adults. <clears throat> so until we get that part straightened out, and it may take a generation or two, we're not going to see free energy or any of this stuff. They're not going to let it come out because it destroys everything they got, which is based on materialistic, unempathetic, <laughs> I'm taking your stuff attitude, which is a pirate. That's what pirates did. Um, look at Billy. <laughs> You know, they belly their ship up to your ship and says, we're taking your stuff unless you can stop us. Right. That's piracy. That's what the freaking government does. We're taking your stuff. Oh, it's nice laws and we're good for everybody. Perfect narcissistic scenario. I mean, it's, it, it's scary. It's downright scary what's going on in the world today because of that attitude. And but it's not, it's not just the government because the government <laughs> is the people. No, it isn't. Okay. It, well, used be, it used to be that way, and ideally it's that way. But look what's been going on in the past five years. It's got nothing to do with the people except screw them. We'll get more money out of them. We'll make them terrified. We'll pump poisonous chemicals into their bodies and make them sick and die. And, um, and it's even scarier when you consider how few people are aware of this. To, you know, you need to, if you got a problem, you need somebody to fix it. Well, who do we got out there that's aware enough to fix anything? So I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing, uh, digging more into their research and their studies and everything, and uh, to know to know more and more about it, and log anything that we may learn from it for sometime in the future. Because right now it ain't going to happen. It can't happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to get everybody. You know, I hate to say that, but um, that sounds very pessimistic. I'm not pessimistic, except in the short term. The short term means the next five or ten years, should we survive it, I believe would be time enough for this to start coming out in a real way and to be accepted by society. Uh, part of society that has wakened itself up, not woken itself, woken to stupidity. But the awakened, like Russell was and Keeley was and Tesla was, and a few people nowadays, it takes that broader consciousness to understand these things. And you can't really apply this physics until you do become more awakened. And as you become more awakened, you become more sensitive to things like love and peace and respect and consideration, and you become a real human being. Instead of these little monsters we got running around our grade schools now and our cities. And so you either become responsible and considerate and do your duty the way you need to be doing it as regards society. 
or you go to hell, pure and simple. That's that's it. That's it in a nutshell. So I advocate study, 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 work on yourself, learn everything you can learn, and teach people. But when people decide what they're going to learn, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily help because you have an agenda. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with your agenda, but you're studying what you want to hear, what you what you want to know about. Other people are going to study other things. I mean, for example, just to, I'm not being a devil's advocate here, but let's look at this the situation. When you've got a country like the United States or the Western world, for example, where the entire system is based on monetary policies, everybody then is invested in those mon- monetary f- policies. For example, the average person, maybe not the average person, let's say anybody who has a 401k, which is almost everybody, has their investments in the very things that you're talking about. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I'm just saying you talk about shooting yourself in the foot in order to have what you're talking about happen, which is good in the long term. In the short term, everybody goes broke. And nobody wants to go broke. So uh, there is there is no apparent solution that I know of. Well, there's no ready-made, you know, five-minute solution. This is multi-generational. It, got, right. it took generations for us to get in this mess. Um, our country is not founded only on money or no money or making money or capitalism. It was it was founded on people seeking freedom from the bad stuff you're talking about from someplace else and come over here because you can go out on the prairie or in the mountains and build your life and do what you want to do and nobody's messing with it. That was then. And in that lifestyle, people respected each other okay. to, some, to some extent. And they helped each other because they're out here in the prairie in the middle of nowhere. Guy needs to build a barn. Yeah, let's go help John build his barn. So everybody's helping everybody do everything. Well, since then, um, beginning um, 1880s, 1890s, somewhere in there, 1900. Right, the Industrial Revolution. No, 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 no. That did happen, yes. But that was people helping each other to get ahead, to make success, build a good life, have incomes. This poisonous philosophy came into society and uh, began with Marx and those kind of guys, total freaking idiots. And um, they began, you see, socialism is a real easy sell. That's why it got so popular. Oh, we're going to take the money from the rich, and we're going to get this, and everybody's going to get that for free. And it's a real easy sell. So everybody's buying into it. Instead of saying, wait a minute, (laughs) you can't take money from other people. That's stealing. Call it tax, whatever you want to call it. still stealing. And no, if we help each other, we can get ahead. And that philosophy was buried. So the philosophy in the future is going to be either we're going to cooperate and get this fixed and get it right and keep it right, or we're all going to, the whole thing is going to go up in a puff of smoke. Well, I mean, if you look at nature, for example, nature is basically all cooperation. Yeah, it's cooperation. People working together to achieve a common goal. If you want to make money, fine, go out and make money. You want to build a barn, go build a barn. You want to build 
free energy technology, where is all the cooperation? And um, that's what's going. That's what's required. If you can't build that cooperative environment and uh, have all these people, because no one man or woman or any one individual is going to is going to bring this forward. It's going to take team efforts, and that's cooperation. And the, there's there is, in a certain regard, you're very right. There's there's a certain this narcissistic attitude. If you if you study it deeply and you really look at what's you know what makes these people do that and why are they doing that? What's going on here? And <clears throat> it's a basis of uh, selfishness. Okay. There's a great deal of selfishness in our society, far more than we should have. That's because these bad guys, beginning in the 1900s, in order for them to control society, they've got to screw it up first. You know, when you're living in a small community and everybody's helping everybody and everybody knows everybody's children and, you know, they can't control that. So they get, they disturb society. I think they call it the Hegelian dialectic or something like that. And then they can come and say, oh, we got the solution. Just sign here and we'll give you the solution to this problem that we caused, but we're going to not admit that. So they create all these problems. And one of the biggest problems they created on purpose was inflation. And you know, people don't talk about that, so nobody really knows what it means. But it means the, the value of the money is decreasing. Mm-hmm. So... Everybody needs more dollars than they needed yesterday. So but the value of the money is decreasing for everyone. I'm just saying, not like, I'm not saying that it that, that inflation is not the problem, but I'm I'm saying that that's one of the things that if you look at it in a financial from a financial perspective, it's not like inflation only in, only affects different tiers of society. It, it affects the entire society. It affects everybody. So everybody's always needing more dollars to maintain themselves where they are, where they want to go. That mad scramble to keep up with it is causing a vast amount of our problems. We don't have good money. We don't have money at all anymore. It's just promissory notes, Federal Reserve notes. We promise, you know. <coughs> So you can't fix that problem, which is all owned by the bad guys, by the way. They built it. They own it. They run it. Well, we're talking about the World Bank, basically. Yeah, they're all the same organization run by the same bad guys. They're all doing it because it's their way of stealing from us. But the problem, again, I'm not arguing with you on this, but I'm just... Selfishness. That's what it boils down to. You got two mindsets. You're either selfish, caring only about self, I'm going to get for me and get for my family and screw you, screw everybody else, okay. which is pure narcissism. Or you got people out here saying, like Henry Ford did, he says, I don't want all this money. He kept cutting the price of his car and cutting the price of his car, and he said, my job is to build the best car I can possibly make for these people who give me their money. That's the way capitalism is supposed to work. Well, yeah, I mean, capitalism is not bad 
It's how capitalism is practiced. Yeah, especially the corporatism, which is a bit really bad. Part. Well, I've always uh, I, we're so far off, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. it's this, in, is, not, this is not too far off from what we're talking about because no, we want to bring in a new an, a new comprehension of what life is. Right, life is not about bad guys stealing from everybody else or these people being victims of this narcissistic governments or whatever. No, it's about building this consciousness of love and cooperation, respect and consideration. Love doesn't mean you become a doormat. Okay. It means you work with people. You recognize their importance to you. You know, this guy over here makes shoes, so I'll give him $40 to make me a pair of shoes. So it's an even trade. A big part of Russell's philosophy, if you read his book, there's this principle in nature which he calls Giving for re-giving. So I give him money, he re-gives me the boots. It's an even exchange. And if it's not even, you know, if you take advantage in, in the process of one, one or the other, you can, uh, this thing called karma, it can't be ignored. It will come back in some form or another. So it's about this physical principle of giving for re-giving. And it's part of the physics of nature. Well, it's extreme. That's why I said nature operates that way. And we should too. But, but we are are, so here's, I know I don't want to step on your words, but I'm just going to say this. <laughs> You're very good. The real, issue, the real issue, or at least how I see the real issue, is that it's one, a growth of consciousness. And the reason, and when people say that, it sounds so philosophical that most people roll their eyes and that's over. But the purpose of saying that is to bring this up. Um, an example would be something like this. If you tell a child, don't touch the uh, stove flame because it will hurt and it's not good for you. That is not awareness. That's an instruction. But if that child touches that flame, you now have an explosion of awareness. Mm -hmm. Now you know why and what the effects are. Mm -hmm. And so what we're living in is a time where people don't look forward. They don't, they don't have the ability to see the result of what this action that they're about to perform is going to cause. Action, of course, is, is, is the word karma means action because people get into this whole thing about karma and then that doesn't make any sense. Karma is simply action. So when a person has the awareness to understand the result of their action, usually, I'm not saying all the time, if it's, if it's a long-sighted action or a long-sighted result, you can see where it's going to go, so you don't do it. But when you have short attention, which is what we've all been learning how to do, and of course, I use my cell phone all the time, but frankly, I know what it's doing. Um, anyway, the point I'm making is that that's awareness, that's consciousness, which I believe is what you're talking about. If I'm wrong, you can correct me. Well, yeah, in part, and partly because uh, in their philosophies, uh, mind is consciousness, but it's neutral. Now, the way our 
intellects and egos use it can create all this, you know, negativity. It can okay. also create another Henry Ford because he was using consciousness and the bad guys use their consciousness. It's, uh, you got to start divvying up. And that's what I was saying when you, um, when I was studying narcissism, um, words have to be defined in very specific ways for whatever the context you're speaking in. And that's the problem we have with Keely and Russell is one of the problems is, is they were using words. They're typical words. You can look them up in all the dictionaries or most of the words. And there's a definition. But it might not be the definition they were using when they used the word. So we have to educate ourselves. It's all about uh, uh, raising yourself up, raising your consciousness up to be able to grasp broader terms or more specific terms, and and uh, and and, and the, like these cosmic contexts that they were using. You know, we have to raise our consciousness, uh, nurture our consciousness, grow our consciousness to a place where we can understand what the heck they were saying, and. That's the other side, of the, or the other side of that coin is the public school system was taken over in 1910 or something like that, and everybody began to be trained and educated to be stupid. <laughs> really, you can look it up. It's all written down everywhere. You go look it up on the web. And that's part of the problem. We have allowed the bad guys to take over everything. And until we learn to have our feet on the ground and our, our consciousness is, you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a strong person. I know what I'm doing. I know all this stuff and everything. Once those people start to stand up, which they're starting to do, you can see it in these school meetings, <laughs> and say, no, we're not going that way anymore. We got, we're going to build this better future. We're not building this bullshit crap you guys want us to live in. We're going to build a better world. So as those people start standing up and says, we're building a better world, not that we're going to build it, we are building a better world. And we have better technology and better health care and better personal relationships and better society, then it changes. But for the past 100 years, we've all been dumbed down and, you know, say, hey, look at this crap. Don't look over here at this stuff. Look over here at what we want you to look at. So everybody says... Well, I don't want to talk physics. I just want to flip the switch on the wall and have lights come on. You know, they don't want to know why. They just want what they want. And that's narcissistic, by the way. So we have to, it's changing. People starting to wake up. You know, when I started my study on narcissism, all I did was search it on the web. Oh, man, there's mountains. And, and you know, I had heard about it before, but I didn't know really what it was. And it, like I said, it was terrifying. It's a terrifying study. And, um, wow. Before we get too dark. <laughs> yeah. You did a great show. You did a great show today. This was very, very important. Well, uh, thank you. I, it's, uh, the, I think what's important, and I'll, I think maybe the headline here is that whoever you pick, let, not whoever, but whoever you, meaning you. <laughs> These scientists, and that's kind of like a very small definition 
of what they were because they're, they're, these people are very, very broad in their scope. As we know, we, we've studied all the things that Tesla did. Now we're learning more about what Russell did and, of course, Keeley. And, and the, the, list, the list is quite big. And, and frankly, there are plenty of people in today, today, they don't even have to go back into the past, who are just as evolved and as, just as enlightened and doing just as many incredible things scientifically that we don't know about. Yeah, we don't know. Because as 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 you said, the reason we don't know anything about Walter Russell, for example, is not because he wasn't there, not because of what he what he was what he was what he was doing. It's what he wasn't allowed to do. The fact that someone said no, 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 don't bother. He's a crackpot or whatever. And we have plenty of those people today. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But anyway, um, I need to. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> bring the show to a close do you have anything that you would like to say that you have already said and i don't mean that as an insult or anything but you have something you want to add to that stuff i'd say if uh, if you have any interest in these guys at all or interest in bettering society you know building a better world you need more information and uh, probably the best place to get that is from Keeley and Russell and this other guy, Schauberger, who which we didn't even mention today. They have this deep cosmic knowledge that you have to grow into. You're not going to pick it up and read it five minutes and get it. Um, do it. Go look, go look at what these people were doing. Go look at what they were saying and writing. You know, it's all out there. It's on the web. It's all free. One form or another. And, uh, Get up to speed. Let's just not do what the bad guys want us to do anymore. I mean, this guy's nuts. Look at that WEF or whatever it is. And uh, people are insane. Why do anything they're going to say? You know, let's build a whole new world and get with it. Guys like Bruce, you know, he's doing his part. He's getting my words out there and all these other people he interviews. He's doing a tremendous job. And, you know, what are the rest of you guys doing? You know, drinking beer and watching football. They can watch it. (laughs) Very important. Yeah. And um, that's my my suggestion. You know, just get off your butt and do it. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today, Dale. I know that everybody who's watched it, especially to the end here, um, learned a lot. And and now they can go to your... uh, SVP wiki and um, and get lots of information there. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for the rest of you. Thank you for watching and listening to the Timeless Voyager series podcast. We're on video players like YouTube, Rumble, and audio players like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. One thing you can do to support the growth of the Timeless Voyager series is to hit that like button, share, comment, and please subscribe. You know, your comments are very important. Subscribing is important. Uh, my, my next uh, milestone is 1,000 subscribers. You can help by just hitting that subscribe button below in the description. Subscribing is important because... As usual, it triggers algorithms that help grow the Timeless Voyager channel. But most importantly, all of these acts are free. 
and they're easy to do. So please do them, my friends. My name is Bruce Stephen Holmes, and I hope that your own personal voyage through life towards the development of your highest potential is a joyous and successful one. Yeah.